This is Audiobook Warriors. AW presents an unabridged recording of Manacled by Sin Lin Yu. Narrated by Juliane Wolf and directed by Bruno Opal. And now for Chapter 20 of Manacled by Sin Lin Yu. Draco, how are you here? Astoria gasped as soon as she regained consciousness. She reached over and touched her side gingerly as she shrank back in the chair. I had to apparate across Europe because of you, he said in a low snarl. The rage in his voice was palpable. Hermione stared. Cross-continental apparition was almost impossible. It required either jumping so many times that a person exhausted their magic and had to stop, or such a tremendous amount of concentration that it was practically impossible to survive. Most people who jumped more than a few countries splinched themselves to death. If Malfoy had actually apparated so far, he should be nearly dead from magical exhaustion. In that case, it was no wonder the manor had shaken. The power and concentration to successfully perform such a jump tended to explode like a shockwave from a sonic boom. There was probably a room in the manor that had been reduced to splinters. That's completely impossible, I stuttered. Underestimating your husband, Tori, he said in a calmly murderous tone. Not very wifely of you. Oh, are you here because of me? Astoria snapped. No, you aren't. You are here because of that mudblood. You hexed me. You threw me into a wall. You murdered Graham Montague all because of that mudblood. Yes, I did. Malfoy replied. I did all of those things because she is the last member of the Order of the Phoenix. And that means she, unlike you, is important. Definitely more important than you. Considerably more important than Montague. Did you know that the Dark Lord has her brought before him regularly to inspect her memories? The eyes are rather useful when performing legitimacy. Astoria paled and Malfoy continued speaking in his cold, deadly voice. I have tried to be patient with you, Astoria. I've been willing to overlook your indecent behavior and petty inferences. But do recall that aside being somewhat decorative, you are useless to me. If you ever go near her again or speak to her or use your status as lady of this manor to break through any of my wards, I will kill you, and I will do it slowly, perhaps over the course of an evening or two. That isn't a threat. It is a promise. Get out of my sight. Astoria gave a terrified sob and fled the room. 
Malfoy stood breathing deeply for several seconds before he turned back to Hermione. He approached her slowly, then knelt and tiled her face up to look at her eyes again. The pupils are different sizes, he said after a moment. After I've applied the essence of Dittany, I'll send for a specialist to come and see if there's anything else to be done. Hermione stared at him. You don't need my eyes to perform legitimacy, Hermione said in a wooden voice. It's just easier that way. It won't matter if I'm blind in one eye. She felt the fingers of her face flinch faintly and his jaw clenched. I consider it a matter of convenience, he said after a beat. His thumb ghosted lightly across her cheekbone as he continued looking at her. She stared back at him. He looked haggard, but maybe it only seemed that way because of how her vision blurred. How did you apparate from Romania? she asked. He gave a tired smirk. The ability came compliments of the Dark Lord, although I don't believe he had any idea at the time. It was intended as a punishment. Hermione furrowed her eyebrows. She had no idea what kind of punishment could possibly have the side effect of enabling cross-continental apparition some kind of horribly obscure dark magic. What kind of curse? It wasn't a curse, it was a ritual, and not one I feel like discussing, he said abruptly. How did you know I'd know the spells? she asked after a minute when he kept studying her face. You were a healer, he said with a faint shrug. If I'd apparated you to sunk mongos, I assume the pressure would have wrecked your eye, and time was essential. Where did you learn to heal? she asked, thinking back of all the spells and diagnostics he'd known immediately. He smirked faintly. I was a general for years. I picked things up along the way. It was an obvious skill to develop. Not to everyone, she said. She had tried on many occasions to teach the members of the Order more than basic emergency healing spells, but most of them had been reluctant to learn much beyond Episki. Well, I was on the winning side. We obviously have made better strategic choices, he said in a cold voice, and he withdrew his hands. It was an unusual diagnostic spell, you knew, Hermione said, ignoring his cruel comment. It was a long war, he replied, still kneeling in front of her. Hermione looked down at her lap for a minute, then looked back up at him. There was a headache beginning to develop in her temples from her imbalanced vision. You have a natural talent for healing. In another life, you could have been a healer, she said. One of life's great ironies, he said, glancing away from her. She thought the corner of his mouth twitched faintly, but perhaps it was just a trick of her vision. I suppose it is, Hermione said, 
looking at her hands again. Her fingertips were slightly stained with blood. So were his. There was a crack. Topsy appeared with a small vial of essence of litany, which she handed to Malfoy. Get the door repaired, Malfoy ordered the elf, barely glancing at it as he turned back to Hermione, but pushing herself unsteadily to her feet. I should, I should lay down, so it doesn't run, she said. Her balance felt off, and her hands and arms shook and wouldn't bear the weight. She sank back onto the floor and bit her lip in frustration. Maybe she'd just lie on the ground. A hand enclosed around her elbow and drew her to her feet. I'm not leaning over you on the floor, Malfoy said in a cold voice as he pulled her across the room and then backed her onto the bed. Lie down there. Hermione felt behind herself and slid onto the bed. She pushed the pillow to the side and lay down. Malfoy leaned over her, vial in hand. His face went in and out of focus every time she blinked. Dark, light, dark, light. How many drops? he asked. Hermione hesitated. Essence of Dittany was expensive. When she'd been a healer, she'd had to ration it, carefully weigh the benefit against the cost. A drop every two hours for the next several days is ideal. But one dose of three drops will do, she finally said. Will do what? he said. I'll probably be able to make out outlines and detect color within a few feet, she said. Malfoy leaned forward and used his right hand to lightly hold her left eye open while he dripped one drop of the essence into her eye. It stung faintly, and Hermione immediately closed her eyes to refrain from blinking it away. The hand on her face vanished. I'll be back in two hours, and I'll ensure Astoria stays away. She heard his receding footsteps as he walked away and raised her hand up to hold her left eye closed so she could watch him go. He stumbled slightly when he was near the door, as though he were unsteady on his feet. Hermione closed her eyes again and lay still, willing herself not to cry. Don't cry, don't cry, she told herself. It would waste the dittany. Malfoy reappeared two hours later with a specialist, an elderly man dressed in lime-green robes. The healer's expression was drawn, but he seemed determined to hide his discomfort. He barely glanced at Hermione. Sclera punctures are quite a nasty business, the healer said in a wheezing voice as he conjured a chair beside the bed and looked back to Malfoy. Not always much that can be done. Basic healing charms aren't much for preserving sight. We'll have to see what there's to work with. She was the one who told you which spells to use. Malfoy gave a short nod and leaned against the wall. The healer turned to Water Miney and cast an unfamiliar ocular diagnostic charm. Hermione stared at ribbons of colour floating over her head, but didn't know how to read them. The healer was silent for several minutes as he manipulated the diagnostic. This 
is quite exceptional repair work, the healer said in a tone of surprise after giving the ribbon a final prod with the tip of his wand and sending little sparks of light into it. The ribbons flickered and twisted in response. What spell did you have him use? the healer asked, finally looking down at Hermione's face. Sclerasanentur, she said. His eyebrows jumped slightly. You probably would have lost your sight if you'd gone with more common spells. Where did you learn this kind of healing? he asked in an astonished voice. Austria, France, Albania and Denmark, Hermione said quietly. I moved around. My specialty was healing the dark arts and casualty injuries. Really? The dismissive quality in the healer's behavior toward Hermione faded, and he studied her thoughtfully. I applied to study in Albania, back in 64. Couldn't get in, my wand work wasn't precise enough. Beautiful hospital. The old magics department was Europe's finest. It was, Hermione said wistfully. Pity how the terrorists destroyed it during the war, the healer said. Then again, he eyed Hermione's clothing and wrists and his lip curled faintly. I suppose you were one of them. Not one who ever attacked a hospital, Hermione said. It had been a favorite tactic of Voldemort's. Attack places that should have been neutral and frame the resistance terrorists for it. It had helped ally the public with Voldemort and driven the resistance further underground. Hermione remembered when they'd gotten word that the Albanian hospital had been blown up. There'd been almost no survivors. All the healers who had mentored Hermione had died in the rubble. The resistance in Albania had disappeared soon after. The specialist continued to study the diagnostic reading over Hermione for several more minutes before he made it vanish with a flick of his wand. He cast a few charms that Hermione felt sink in, and it grew strangely cold feeling toward the front of her brain. Then the healer leaned forward and applied a drop of essence of Dittany to her eye. I think you may actually make a full recovery. Keep the lights low and apply essence of Dittany every two hours during the day and an extra drop just before you go to sleep for the next two weeks. Do that, and I think there may end up being little to no long-term impairment in your vision. Hermione watched one-eyed as he stood and turned toward Malfoy, straightening his ropes pompously. I must say, quite an exceptional little healer you've got there. When you told me what happened, I was expecting she'd end up mostly blinded that eye. Sanentua spells are quite obscure and injury-specific. It is remarkable that she had the presence of mind to distinguish that it would be appropriate for repairing that particular type of puncture. Quite fortunate, Malfoy said in a bland tone. Is there anything else you recommend? I'm on a strict orders to keep her in good condition. I don't want anything overlooked. Well, perhaps a cool compress. 
a sense of ditany works best in the eye when kept at a cool temperature. And, uh, nourishing food, chicken broths and the like, to help the body heal, she probably knows. Very well, Malfoy said, straightening and indicating toward the door of Hermione's room which the house-elves had repaired. The healer looked down at Hermione again. Quite exceptional, he said again in a wandering voice. Pity. Such a waste of talent. Hmm, Malfoy said noncommittally. And you, sir, quite remarkable you could perform the spells so well. Very impressive collaboration. You could be a healer yourself. So I keep being told, Malfoy said with an insincere smile. Do you think St. Mongols will still hire me after I murdered someone in their waiting room? The healer blanched. Well, what I mean is... If there's nothing else, I'll see you out. Malfoy cut him off and strode from the room. Hermione spent most of the next several days in bed. A house-elf arrived every two hours with a vial of essence of Dittany, watched her as she applied a drop to her eye, and then popped away again. After four days, her vision within an arm's length was mostly recovered, but beyond that radius, things became blurry and it hurt to try to focus. Malfoy did not appear again, but Hermione thought she heard his footsteps in the hallway. Then Hela Stroud came. You've had a rather unfortunate month here, Stroud said, conjuring a medical table and waiting for Hermione to approach. Hermione said nothing as she went over and seated herself on the edge of it. Stroud pulled a vial of Veritaserum out, and Hermione opened her mouth and accepted the drop on her tongue. Stroud cast the general diagnostic on Hermione, and they both studied it. Hermione's eye was doing better. Her sodium levels were normal. Her cortisol levels were extremely high. They were always high, but there was a marked spike in them. Stroud sighed and wrote something in Hermione's fire before casting a pregnancy detection charm. Hermione already knew what the result of the charm would be. She stared pointedly at the wall. Her imbalanced vision meant she couldn't make out the numbers anymore, or even the hands, unless she closed her left eye. There was a long silence. So long that Hermione finally looked back and found Hila Stroud had cast a more detailed diagnostic of Hermione's reproductive system. Hermione couldn't make out all the readings clearly, but she recognized enough to know that there was nothing unusual in it. She glanced up at Hila Stroud's face. It was blurred, but Hermione could still make out the familiar tensed irritation around the woman's mouth as she manipulated the diagnostic with her wand. You're still not pregnant, Stroud said flatly. The words were both an accusation and a condemnation. Hermione didn't flinch or even blink. Hila Stroud continued. You're one of the only ones still not pregnant. And in the case of the others, it is because the sires have issues on their own. There was a pause. 
Lestrade seemed to be awaiting a defence. Perhaps the High Reef has issues too, Hermione finally said. He does not. I exempt him myself several times now. He is perfectly virile and fertile, exceptional even. Hermione fought against letting her mouth twitch with amusement at the thought of Malfoy being examined by Stroud. He must love that, she thought to herself. Outwardly, Hermione was silent. Hila Stroud sighed sharply. How does he take you? Do you stay reclined after as instructed? Are you washing yourself afterward? The questions were suspicious. Hermione felt her cheeks flush as she found herself compelled to answer the questions. There's a clock there on the wall. I always wait for the allotted time before moving. I follow all the washing instructions. The portrait can verify it. Hila Stroud's eyes were narrowed. And how does he take you? Hermione stared intently at the blurry clock until her head began to throb. On a table. What? Hila Stroud said sharply. He, he conjures a table in the middle of the room and has me lean over it. He takes you from behind. Hermione felt her cheeks and ears growing hot. Yes. He's very clinical about it. How many times a day? Once a day, for five days. There was a long silence. Well, Hila Stroud finally said. Then she leaned over and tapped her wand twice on one of the manacles of Hermione's wrists. There was a flush of heat to it. A minute later, there was a sharp rap on the door and Malfoy walked in, looking as cold as Hermione had ever seen him. She could just barely make out his face as he walked toward Hila Stroud. She closed her left eye in order to see more clearly. You called, he said. She is still not pregnant, Hila Stroud announced. Malfoy looked neither surprised nor disappointed by the announcement. How unfortunate, he said coolly. Indeed, it's beginning to become anomalous. There is nothing I can find to account for it. Maud's eyes were narrowed as she stared at Malfoy. Hermione's curiosity was suddenly piqued. Did Hila Stroud suspect Malfoy was trying to avoid impregnating Hermione? Was he? Why would he? He should have been desperate to get her pregnant if not for an heir, at least in the hopes that the compatible magic would finally corrode and break through the magic protecting Hermione's memories. The Dark Lord may have reason for concern if she continues to be unfruitful. As you know, his desire for it is dual in nature. Indeed, I am aware, Malfoy said coldly, a slightly dangerous edge to his voice. Then you should have no objections if I make some recommendations as to how to increase your odds of success. Anything in the service of the Dark Lord, Malfoy replied. No more tables, then, said Stroud in a pointed tone. There was a flicker of something, possibly irritation in Malfoy's eyes. 
Fine. And have her in a reclined position, Stroud added, with less detachment. A sneer curled onto Malfoy's lips, but before he said anything, Stroud added, Magical pregnancy is more complex than merely the biological process of fertilization. It can require a connection. Otherwise, we would be utilizing muggle methods for this repopulation effort with far greater convenience for everyone. Really? Do all the other pregnant breeders you have attribute their conditions to the connection they have with the sires? Malfoy drawled. She is exceptional in her magic, as are you, Stroud replied coolly. According to some theories, such power causes the spark of life to require more persuasion. Unless there's some other explanation you can offer. She gave Malfoy a long look, which he returned coldly. Hermione was certain Stroud did suspect Malfoy of doing something to interfere. Fine, Malfoy snapped after a moment. Excellent, Stroud said, smugly. After all, the Dark Lord is quite eager for access to be gained to those memories. If the conception efforts continue to fail, we might find ourselves obligated to consider other sires. I was under the impression that using magical pregnancy to unlock the memories necessitated that the father be the legilimens, or it may result in a miscarriage, Malfoy said in a lightly cutting tone. That is true. The magigenetic familiarity is important. However, it wouldn't necessarily need to be a parental familiarity. Half-siblings, for example, could be another option. I have heard rumours that your father may be recalled to Britain. Hermione felt herself wobble and her throat contracted as though she were going to be sick. Malfoy's expression didn't flicker, but he paled, visibly, even in Hermione's blurred vision. Hila Stroud continued and there was a taunting quality to her voice. I haven't mentioned the option to the Dark Lord yet but i know how eager he is for progress it would be a disappointment for me to have to recommend it as a scientist i must admit i'm particularly curious to see the progeny from two such uniquely powerful individuals but my first loyalty is to the dark lord so if this particular pairing is still unfruitful after six months I feel I have no other option but to offer an alternative solution. Of course, Malfoy said, his tone calm but with an edge to it that Hermione recognized as fury. Was there anything else? Nothing else, High Reef. Thank you for your time, Gila Stroud said. Malfoy turned on his heel and vanished through the doorway.